welcome to episode three of the Voice of Somebody podcast. You know me, it's Francisco, aka DJ Starion. It's been a hot minute since we last did these. Um, last time we did this was way back in November when we interviewed Raven Black, and I have so far, I mean, even though it's only episode three, but this was a really, really awesome show. Um, I got to interview Billy Dixon. He is absolutely phenomenal. Um, this is such an awesome interview to do. Um, I felt like I learned a lot. I feel completely different after interviewing him now, like just so inspired and like so proud of everything that he's done and I hope you guys get the same feeling after listening to this as well so yeah I hope you guys enjoy the interview uh as always hit up djstarion.com follow me on the social medias all my infos on the website uh hopefully we got a lot more future episodes coming up and by the way, excuse the sound quality. Um, we actually did the did the interview through Zoom, which is kind of weird doing a Zoom interview on my computer on my computer, as opposed to using my work computer where I do probably about I feel like I do like two to three Zoom meetings a week now, so it's a little bit different. But anyways, hope you guys enjoy, and as always, catch you on the flip side enjoy all right so thank you so much once again we got billy dixon with us here on the voice of somebody podcast billy how is your day your week your month how's all that going for you um i'm doing okay as best as i can um quarantine and everything going on has been challenging sometimes but at the same time um uh, you know, it's been a really good opportunity for reflection and growth and, you know, really working on myself. So I'm just trying to make the best out of the situation that we're in. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's a lot of people's, a lot of people's sentiments right now, especially, you know, with myself being on quarantine as well. It's, you know, you take, you really take time to kind of, not only for reflection, but also like trying new things, um, you know, learning about a lot of, a lot of different things and, you know, just kind of broadening yourself, um, not only, not only physically, but, you know, but also mentally as well. Now, um, now let's, let's kind of start at the beginning. So, you know, growing, kind of growing up, because I know, um, I know you're from, you're originally from the South Bronx, right? Correct. So what was it, what was it like for you, um, you know, kind of, kind of growing up in the South Bronx? Um, so I was living with my grandparents. My mom was sick sometimes. So, you know, I was with them a lot. Um, I had a really good childhood. You know, my grandparents loved me. They took care of me. My grandfather would take me to some daycare. He was a good cook. He, my family was very well respected in the neighborhood. Um, you know, I grew up in the projects, Claremont Village Project off of Webster Ave um, and Third Avenue and um, 
I really can't complain about my childhood. I, I had really good grandparents. I had a really good, you know, um, situation at home. Uh, so it was a really good foundation. I learned a lot about ethics and morals and think it up for yourself and those kind of things. So I really can't complain. Yeah. Now, um, now when you, when you're growing up, did you have like any, uh, any, I know you, like you mentioned, like some of your family as well, but like any other types of inspirations, um, that you had in life, you know, that kind of, you know, that kind of pushed you or kind of made you strive, you know, to be, you know, to be the person that you, not only that you are now, but also the person that you wanted to be. Um, yeah, I have a lot of different inspirations. Um, when I was young, <clears throat> my mother and I would watch the RuPaul show. So RuPaul has been a part of my life since the jump, uh, a huge inspiration. You know, I wish he would, you know, step up a little bit these days, but it's whatever. Um, you know, obviously wrestling, I love wrestling. China was it to me. Jeff Hardy, um, uh, Jericho, the Divas, um, we're a big part of it. You know, I loved cartoons. Um, I loved Michael Jackson as a kid. I loved uh, Britney Spears. Like, I had a lot of different inspirations. And then inspirations were like my grandmother and the uh, uh, my um, the people in my neighborhood. There was this uh, gentleman named Ernie who would hand out lottery tickets and things like that. And oh, that's awesome. It's just and just it was just I had a really cast of characters. Like I really loved. I when I say I love being from the Bronx, I love being from the Bronx. Uh, I went to a daycare, which was like fun and exciting, and we went on trips and things like that. I I had a really good good childhood in the fact of like. I really felt like where I was from was magical and I was part of like childhood innocence not knowing that like where you're actually from is like a part of like white supremacy and like uh, uh, all these other things you know what I mean but like mm -hmm. at the time it was just beautiful and perfect and you couldn't tell me nothing so just living where I was living was inspirational nice. now that kind of you kind of hit a couple things here, like when you were talking about like Jeff Hardy and, you know, in China, that kind of leads me into my, into my next thing is um, actually getting into the wrestling business. Like, would, would you say that those were, those were the main reasons why you wanted to get into wrestling was because of people like China and, and like Jeff? Oh yeah. Like um, they were really inspirational to me. I really identified with them as a young queer kid, you know, to me, China didn't really have a gender. You know, I think her whole character was beyond the gender binary and just this strong, powerful force. And I thought that Jeff Hardy having colorful hair and the armbands with the cuts in it, I thought that was so cool and different. And like, he was this like man who wasn't afraid to like, look somewhat what we would consider feminine, I guess. And um. You know, when you're young, you don't know the language terminology for these things, but um, I was really inspired by his um, his aesthetic, uh, Hardy Boy's aesthetic. Um, you know, and I love, like, Edge and Christian and all of them. Yeah. Uh, Edge is, as I become older, is more of, like, I guess my wrestler kind of inspiration and Dusty Rhodes and, you know, Junkyard Dog kind of things of that nature. But, like, I really, um, I really, uh, and inspired by like the, the more colorful characters in wrestling for sure. 
Yeah, and that's and that's one thing like I, I've noticed too is that like when you got into the point of like the you know like the attitude era, it was like I feel like that was kind of the kind of the sweet spot the sweet spot because you had people bridging the gap between the older era which was more gimmick based you know and then you also have the attitude era which more people they're even though they're being more natural they're expressing themselves in you know in other ways like you know like with the you know with the hardy boys where it's kind of like that you know they wrestled that almost i guess you could say that zero fuck style where they'll just do you know that's why they were team extreme because they they put it all on the line and like those matches that they had with edge and christian and you know in the dudleys like that the match at wrestlemania 16 the the triangle ladder match that's still one of my best my most favorite matches to this day and and going to your point on china it was like after a while it's like you when you watch china you're watching her like she's you know she's just another like she's just another wrestler you know and i feel like and you know and correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like china didn't really get the 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 respect that she deserved for the current you know for the current era in women's wrestling because she she brought down barriers and she you know she made people want to watch her matches because she was putting it out on the line every night you know a hundred percent i mean for me she's so inspirational and i think that she did push it forward for for women in wrestling um you know especially with like this like boom of like intergender wrestling and like um um you know men and women having these really competitive matches and women w- winning men's titles and things like that. You know, her win over Jeff Jarrett back in the day was like a huge moment. I yeah. think a lot of that is like the politics of like, you know, the people who run the company now and all that drama that happened, you know, decades upon decades ago. I think that really, um, you know, played a role in like the, the, the diminishing things of her legacy because she's not the first and she won't be the last wrestling legend to have like, you know, a bad kind of run for a couple of years that were kind of unfortunate, but like hers were so amplified because of, you know, the personal issues that she had. And that's yeah. really unfortunate. She made a lot of contributions. And in my, in my opinion, you know, was the reason that D Generation X even got over. Uh, so, you know, I, I hope that her legacy is amplified in the years to come. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, then this is, and that's the thing because like, I was excited when, you know, like when they announced that DX was going to be in the Hall of Fame and, you know, and China was going to be included with that. But the thing is that, like, I, it may be selfish, but I kind of wish that she would get her own introduction, you know, because... Oh, she's deserving of that. She, well, 100%, 100%, you know, 100%. She kind of paved the way, you know, for, like, people from, like, Lita and, you know, and Trish to even people like, you know, like now, like the... You know, I see, I see a lot of China's contributions in, not even in so much in people on the main roster, but people, um, you know, such as like the, like the Rhea Ripley's and the, you know, and the Io Shirai's that are really kind of just putting it out there 
every single night. And like like right now, Rhea is probably one of my favorite wrestlers. Period. You know, just because you know, just because of everything, you know, of everything that she's doing. Now, um, now let me let me ask you this: like, kind of grow. I guess um, whether whether it be growing up or or even now, um, what was what would you say was the match that essentially set that essentially told you that I want to be a wrestler? Like this is what I want to do. Um, for me, it would, it's it's not that impressive, I guess, but um, it is uh, it is watching uh, Sasha Banks on a house show uh, when I was in college, and uh, I was so inspired by her, and I thought she was so phenomenal. Um, that, you know, and I thought that her resume with the NFT pickover and everything like that was so cool and inspiring that I actually, you know, like shortly thereafter quit college and like, um, started training in the wrestle. Nice. Now, now what was, what was that like? Like when you, when you first, cause everybody, everybody has so many different stories, like when they're kind of starting out in wrestling like when they first like whether it be like finding their first training school or you know going through their first training session like running you know like you know doing mountain climbers and you know running ropes for what seems like in the like a fucking eternity um what was what was it like for you initially when you started training uh it was it was rough you know um a lot of things happened but like for me um you know when i when i got with my trainer kevin he was amazing he was he was um he was really hands-on he was like a father figure to me we would train from 6 p.m to 2 30 in the morning bumping running the ropes you know rolls all those kind of things and he was really hands-on and and um getting me physically prepared you know he had an mma background so he was just literally beating the shit out of me um so that i could be tough and ready for the road and for you know making this a career because you know it hurts and he really did a great job um with that getting me ready and acclimated um for that yeah now now do you think that it, like there were a lot of roadblocks when you especially like when it came from like when you were training to you know when you w- started working like your first couple matches I'm um, saying that again I'm sorry uh did you notice like any any type of roadblocks um like that were that were in your way like when like when you first started training like you know whether you know whether it be like any type of like you know like mental roadblocks or you know just kind of like any worries about, you know, like, you know, am I doing this right? You know, it's like, am I, you know, like, am I trying to put on like, or I guess, I guess my, my, my main thing would be, um, I guess in terms of Roblox, not both in a training standpoint and in like, a, I guess maybe a character standpoint, like the way we trying to like, you know, find an I find an identity when you when you were first wrestling. So uh, I wasn't given the luxury of like picking out a character or this and the third. 
I um, was, you know, it was hard and I was kind of ostracized for being uh, gay and everything like that. And I was um, put through a lot of more challenges than my contemporaries at the time. So, you know, I was given a really offensive gimmick called uh, Billy No Good from the Hood, where I was a part of a group called the Willie Lynch Mob in which black men were wearing get masks and uh, bringing cowbells to the ring that looked like nooses. So it was really, you know, challenging and tough at the time, you know, dealing with all that. But, um, you know, I'm kind of grateful for those experiences because they taught me how to work. They taught me how to, you know, wrestle in the mass and how to read a crowd and how to do something you don't like doing and being professional about it. Um, you know, and my first, one of my first matches, you know, I had like powder thrown directly in my eye and things like that, you know, and one of my other first matches, I was dropped on my head and beat up by a veteran who had no respect for me um, in the ring. So, you know, it was tough, but, you know, those would be the roadblocks would just be like not being respected well in my um in my promotion yeah do you think and do you think it was more so like you know where they were just taking you know taking liberties because they were newbie and then because they were a vet like it's because i i've run into a lot of you know a lot of veterans you know in other promotions like especially in like in the midwest area where they're they kind of almost like get off on, you know, on beating up on like kind of shooting on the new people because, you know, they feel like they haven't, you know, they haven't paid their dues or anything like that. Do you think that that was, that was kind of what was going on with you? For me, I feel like one of the things that was going on was, um, I think it was just trying to get me to quit, putting you, putting me in positions where I would be really unhappy and more inclined to quit. And, you know, I think a lot of, some veterans, not a lot, let me change that. Some veterans really feel overprotected in the spot and they take liberties because they are threatened by, you know, younger talent because of that old saying, you know, when it comes to Hollywood, like, there's always gonna be somebody younger, better, faster, prettier, type of thing and I think that people are really overprotective of their spots and I think that in my situation when I was coming up there was a group of young men myself included who were really getting more popular with the fan base and really connecting with the crowds more than the old guard and they were really offended by that and they wanted to knock us down the peg so it was just a really uh, tough time um really a tough time uh dealing with that now, how would what would you say was um, what was the be- the the best ta- I guess not best tactic, but kind of the best things that you did to kind of to kind of overcome those and kind of grow into into the performer into the wrestler that you are today. Oh, you just grin and bear it. I mean, that's the best way for me to describe mm-hmm. it. You know, you're you're out there and you're you're trying to learn and get experience and trying to better yourself at your craft and you know part of the the gig is that sometimes people are not going to like you you know that's like a life lesson not everybody's going to like you but you have to really like work hard to um overcome that and and just do the best you can and i and i did and i'm happy about that um and it was tough 
but you know it only gets worse and more intense the higher you climb so you know you just gotta buckle up yeah now what do you what do you i guess that kind of leads me into kind of going more into into current times now like kind of before all this shit started you know hitting the fan with what i've been calling miss rona um what would what was like the like when when you came out um in general what is what's the fan perception of you like do they do they kind of give you a different reaction like before like when you come out versus you know like when you leave like when they actually see you perform and see you actually doing the work and perfecting your craft you're asking about like is, is there a difference in the fan response before and after my matches yeah um depends on the crowd i mean i'm a staple in the dt area and i'm really grateful for that because uh promotions like fight club for wrestling and prime time pro wrestling have made me a staple of their companies so when i wrestle there there is you know a genuine love and respect um there's a genuine love and respect there however um you know sometimes when you wrestle in new territory in your entrance you know they don't know what to make of you. And for me, I'm a lot of contrasting things. You know, I'm a big, tall man who's doing these kind of more athletic maneuvers. And I'm also not doing stock to stock to stock. I'm telling a story. I'm very vocal in my matches. You know, there's an element to comedy sometimes in my matches. You know, I'm coming out on a scooter and doing that whole thing. Um, so I think that people don't know what to make of it, but I think once the match happens and once they're entertained, then they have an appreciation of what they just witnessed, which is really awesome. And like, sometimes when a crowd comes out and they don't know what to make of me, it's like kind of a cool challenge and incentive of like, how can I make them have the biggest reaction by the end of the night? Nice, nice. And, and, and I, guess, I guess that kind of leads me to kind of the wrestling scene as a whole um you know like i've seen kind of a a shift uh especially within the last within the last year or so uh in terms of not only not only in terms of not only black wrestlers but also with you know with lgbtq plus wrestlers you know like we've seen you know shows like you know like the you know, like the Rise, Pride, and Joy show, you know, we've seen, you know, other shows, like other wrestlers that are being more, you know, being more vocal, you know, about who they are and about their identity, you know, like people like yourself and Ashton Starr, Jamie Senegal, Effie, um, and I was super, super disappointed, or not disappointed, but, you know, I was kind of sad because one of the shows, like I had, because you're saying, like, I'm, I'm, I, I currently live in Tampa, Florida. And, you know, we had Wrestle, we were supposed to have WrestleMania. I had tickets for WrestleMania and I had tickets for like three or four other indie shows. The one show that I was excited about more than any other show was Effie's Big Gay Brunch. That was, that was the show that I wanted to see more than anything, just because of, you know, being with other 
fans that you know that are supportive of people you know like yourselves you know and like i feel like the the scene has changed so much would you would you say that would you say the same thing like that would you would you say that the like i guess like the the acceptance of people like yourselves has kind of changed has been has been changing for the good or you know is there anything you want to you want to add to that um well yeah i i don't know if i can reveal or not but i was supposed to do something at big a bunch that would have been really 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 cool um uh and we'll just wait and see when it happens um but for me i feel that um that will still happen number one big game will still happen and it's awesome that fans like yourselves like you know want to support us and want to like you know help us build our our audience but also it's like the business has changed i tweeted today that three years ago i was in a locker room full of other lgbtq wrestlers for the very first time and how overwhelming of a positive experience it was and you know you have eddie mcqueen being so loud and obnoxious in the best way you know, Ashton as a sweetheart, you know, um, there was some other workers, Al Elemento, uh, Keita Murray, who's like a trade piece, but like so funny and so hilarious. Um, Maria Manic, being Maria Manic, enough said. Um, and just like, it was just like a family kiki and we had a great time. And, you know, Johnny Cashmere was there and I got to talk to Johnny Cashmere about how much I love the Backstreet Boys and how much of a legend he is and how much he paved the way for, for, for people like me. And it was great to have that moment of like giving thanks to one of your pioneers. Um, uh, it was a really great night and the business has changed. I mean, there's this running joke that we do of like all the queer wrestlers of color took a picture of WrestleMania week last year. And it was, I think, seven of us. And then we took a picture at the show, Butch versus Gore, and I think it was like 20 of us. Yeah. And then like, by WrestleMania week next year, it's going to be like, we're, we're going to need to do like one of those wide camera shots, <laughs> like, you know, when you're graduating college or something mm-hmm. like that, because it's so exciting. Like, And there are people that are coming out of the closet who are coming into their own, people that are transitioning, people that are doing everything, international talents, Jay Dewhurst, Candy Lee, Cassius, um, the list goes on and on of these like uh, international talents that are part of the Kiki as well. So it's really great to see how big this movement has gotten and how exciting it is that Sunny Kiss, Nyla Rose, Jake Atlas are on these huge platforms, mm-hmm. um, the biggest platforms, representing uh sonia deville as well yeah um and uh you know it's really cool to see where we're going and the sky's really the limit and you know we literally if you would have said in 2020 three years ago that three queer wrestlers of color mind you would be on international television we all would have said that's a joke yeah I think I think honestly, if it, even even last year, like even if he said that, I I wouldn't you know I wouldn't have believed it you know just because like I I would have I would have actually no I take that back I may have believed it but I wouldn't think it would have 
come so so soon like the dynamic has changed so so quickly and and i think like and and that's my thing because i'm wondering how how far is it going to go you know like especially like once you know shows start cuz i i've seen promoters that have been you know that have been starting to advertise shows again and it's going to it's going to be interesting to see what the what the experience looks like from from here on out you know because i know because I know there's a promotion down here in, um, like, in the Space Coast of Florida that is going to be running a show, I believe, next month. And then um, and then my friend Mikey, who runs Black Label Pro, is going to be running. He just announced he's going to be running a show. Um, and, like, I'm just, I'm just curious, and I kind of want to get your thoughts on this, too. Like, what do you think is going to be different? Um, once we once we start going going back to, you know, going back to shows and like in terms of, um, you know, in terms of, you know, like finding you know like finding bookings and you know, having I guess people even wanting to come, you know, wanting to come to shows. Like, what do you what do you, what are your thoughts on I guess on the scene, um, kind of post everything that's going on. Um, so the question is about, like, how I feel about, like, wrestling slowly reopening and everything. Like yeah, that. yeah. Uh, I think it's not a smart idea. <laughs> um, I think if the WWE is out here fumbling the ball, um, with people getting COVID a couple times during their tapings and the possibility of it being spread and there's internal conversations about it being a little madhouse and shit hitting the fan, I think that that's really scary, and I think that that's really, like, indicative of, like, if people at the biggest level can't get this right, I don't understand why you think you can. Um, but that being said, you know, I am not going to tell people what to do. You know, if you have to put food on your table, and this is amazing that you put food on your table, by all means, my brother, my sister, my sibling, go out there and do it, but please be as careful as you can. Yeah. You know, I think that there's no way that we know a foolproof way to stop people spreading this to one another. And I think that drive-ins and all of that are good and everything. But if somebody from the drive-in tests positive two weeks after the show, that's going to be a problem. And then there's the potential that other people have it. And then a lot of people are asymptomatic to coronavirus and have had it and don't even know that they have it. And, you know, there's the possibility that they could just randomly drop dead because of the, the, the disease. So... I personally don't think that it's worth it. I don't think that there's, there's not real money that's going to be generated that's going to be worth running. I think people are running for pride and for ego and, and just to run, in my personal opinion, um, and not because they're going to like make some crazy profit. There's no profits to be made. The economy's in the shitter. But at the same time, for my brothers and sisters that need to get money to put food on the table, I'm not going to judge you for that. I just really would employ you to be as careful as possible. And, you know, it's tough. You know, it's, it's tough. I am personally not going to be wrestling anytime soon because for what? Um, but it is what it is. Yeah. And, and honest, honestly, I don't, I don't blame you, you know, because 
you know, it's to me, it's not like you said, it's, it's not worth the risk, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, you can take all the precautions that you want, but you know, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like getting behind the wheel of a car. It's like, you know, I, if I tell someone, you know, if I tell someone to, to be careful, like driving or something like that, it's like, when you think about it at the end of the day, it's like, it's not so much yourself that you have to worry about. It's all the other people around you. And all those other people, they may not be taking the same precautions that, you know, that you are like that this day right now, when it come when it comes to the Rona is an absolute shit show. And mm-hmm. it like the fact that they might be running shows here kind of scares me a little bit. It's like, that's why I've been like during this whole thing, like I've been, you know, just, supporting the wrestlers like supporting as many wrestlers as i can you know just by doing little things you know just by like buying merch or you know watching like streams on like iwtv and you know like supporting you know supporting that way where it's you know where it's safe too and they're not you know they're not losing out on you know on revenue because i mean a lot of people they they don't have kind of a you know backup plan they're not you know they're not um or they're not able to and you know it's hard it's hard you know and i'm i'm fine with not having shows for a while if it you know if it means that the same people that you know that we've enjoyed for years we can enjoy them for many more years you know like i'm i'm willing to make that trade off and once everything gets back to normal and if you know whatever that normal is then you know we're gonna we're gonna join we're gonna you know we're gonna embrace it with open arms you know but but my thing my thing is too is kind of with you not wrestling um and with a lot obviously with a lot of other people not wrestling um you know obviously people want that wrestling fix so that's i feel like that's where kind of like you know, social media is, you know, is kind of even more of an important platform because it allows you to like, you know, to like engage with people and to, you know, to kind of form bonds with them that you normally would, you know, in that time when you're in the ring or when you're at your, you know, when you're at the gimmick table selling merch or stuff like that. It's kind of like that, you know, it's kind of like that trade-off. And I guess like my my thing is in terms of you specifically um how do you feel that you know especially because i you know i know you're pretty pretty active on social media um how do you feel like in terms of using your platform um how do you feel that that's kind of filled the gap um between you know, between wrestling and then obviously with everything else that's, you know, that's going on in the world as well. Um, well, I, well, I think one of the things that, um, one of the things that, um, you have to do is you have to create a game plan, um, I'm so sorry. My mind just drew a blank. Um, 
<laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. Okay, so there are ways to, 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 to provide content without a wrestling ring. Um, I do think that, you know, WWE, WWE doing um, uh, cinematic matches kind of has created a cool trend where I do believe promotions should consider doing that um, between a few wrestlers versus a locker room full because mm-hmm. people will be getting sick and things of that nature. Um, I believe that, you know, for me, my social media has been more about activism recently mm-hmm. with Black Lives Matter and things of that nature and pride. Um, I think that you can get your wrestling fix with IWTV showing a bunch of fucking wrestling from the independents that a lot of people have never seen before. Um, you know, Castle Valentine has the uh, I think it's the Isolated Wrestling Federation, where wrestlers are cutting promos on each other on Instagram. There's a lot of content that's being created, and I think a lot of things that we can do without seriously putting risk involved. It's really scary business. Yeah, yeah, I I, I completely I completely agree. And I'm, I'm and what what did you say that the one where they were cutting promos? What's the name of that? Because I def- I, I got to check that out. I think it's the Isolated Wrestling Federation. Isolated Wrestling Federation. Okay, okay, yeah. I'm definitely, I'm definitely gonna check that out because that sounds, that sounds cool as hell, actually. Because my, like, it's almost like with like kind of like the old school rap battles, where mm-hmm. you know, like promo battles. I can, oh man, I can, I can watch those every day. Like that's, that's like my main thing when it comes to wrestlers. Like, if you got a wrestler that can cut a really fucking passionate promo then you know sky's the sky's the limit i will watch you all day that's why like i love people like um you know like growing up like i love people like jake the snake and you know because he cut some of the craziest you know just like diabolical promos and then also like people like sensational sherry she was amazing on the mic too and you know even going to people now like you know especially you know like Effie you know one of my favorite promos of his it was the promo where he was I think it was a promo yeah it was a promo where he was going for the GCW title against Nick Gage and that it's like one of those promos where you can have a whole bunch of different feelings just in like a two minute video. It's fucking crazy. It's like you can go on this emotional roller coaster in such a short period of time. And it's like that's how you, that's how you know it's a good promo. When you can you can invoke feelings and you can invoke emotions in such a short range. Like holy shit. It's like your mind just gets you know your mind just gets blown. And you know and I, I feel like a lot of people like even on social media they're you know a lot like like with now like people sharing their thoughts and you know sharing their experiences and you know sharing their passions it's sometimes it's almost better than a promo because you know they're you know not only you're kind of being mind blown in a different way because you see like what people you know what people are passionate about and you know and you come almost kind of have this newfound respect in them because you know they are willing to 
put their voice out there, which, you know, that kind of, that kind of leads me to the next thing too. And I know, you know, we kind of, kind of touched on it, but like, you know, the whole, the whole Black Lives Matter movement, you know, and like, I feel like, and I don't know if, if, you know, because I may be seeing it from like a different angle, but I feel like it's something that should not be stopped anytime soon. Like people still need to be, you know, talking about it, you know, like putting the resources out there, like, you know, making people, making people's voices heard and being able to realize everything that is going on because like people are now starting to realize that you know our society is kind of fucked and and we need and we need to fix it we need to fix it now you know what what do you what do you i guess like in terms of your your opinions on the whole thing like what do you i guess trying to figure out the best way to to kind of to kind of word this like just like your your thoughts on on everything that you know that has gone on like especially especially with all that so like uh when it comes to like the movement how i'm like handling yeah from the wrestling confines yeah or even or even outside the wrestling confines too because I mean, this is it's this is something kind of you know it kind of tra- it it definitely transcends wrestling, you know, and just you know feel like it almost transcends life at this point, you know. It's like it's something to where it's you know it's a world it's a worldwide movement at this at at this point. Um. Well, I just think that people. Um. I just think that people were tired. Um, of seeing the same thing and wondering if it was going to be them. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that when you watch a murder that is so brutal and so tough, um, Uh, you, 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 you just have to do something. And I think for me, you know, I've been protesting silently um, since about 2017. Uh, where I lived, a young man was murdered at the um, Walmart about five minutes from where I live in Virginia by the police. And there was a protest at the Walmart. That I went to and just like you know just doing things outside of the public eye but I think it's important that as I um you know grow my platform that I share these things and share mm-hmm. my experiences and share some educational materials about the movement and I think that we're at a watershed moment where enough is enough and it's time for a change to quote the late great Owen Hart and yeah. I think people just really want to be able to live you know for me like I just want to be able to live my life in peace and in harmony and, and, and not, you know, be scared, you know, to drive to work or home or, 
you know, or to walk in my neighborhood that's predominantly white because they're going to think that I'm, like, trying to steal houses or, or, or in, steal inside houses or cars or something. You know, I, I, I'm not going to tolerate that, and I will do everything within my power to do so. And I just think it's important to educate people uh, on, on the actual history of racism and that it's so layered and that it's institutionalized and that it is complex and there are minor things and major things that we all need to take account of when we discuss this topic because it has been around for over 400 years. And I think that when we accept that that is what happened and the things that people are saying are valid and true, then we can move on, period. Yeah, yeah, I I 110% agree with you on that. Um, you know, I think people don't realize how how deep it actually goes because what what we see like on you know on TV and you know in the news and all that that's just that's barely skimming the top layer. It's so it's so deeply rooted. And especially with like a lot of, you know, a lot of people, it's so like deeply ingrained in their culture that they're, you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to break. And, you know, that's why like, I appreciate, you know, people such as yourselves that are using their platform to, you know, to be that voice, because the way I see it is, is that for one, for that one person that does speak out and that does vocalize like injustices and you know and you know kind of the fucked up shit there's probably another 10 people that are too scared to say anything for fearing of repercussions Mm -hmm. so so my thing is is that we need to have as many voices as you know, as possible, because I feel like, I feel like too, is, you know, the same, you know, the same way that people like, you know, like your grandma and China and Jeff Hardy and other people have influenced you, you might be influencing some, you know, other people, you know, and they might be able to do an interview like this, like 10, 15 years from now. And if they ask who their inspirations were, they might say Billy Dixon, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, and I feel like that is one of the most powerful, like one of the most powerful tools. And, you know, that's kind of, that's partly why I started a show like this as well, because I want to give people that, you know, that voice, you know, to be able to speak their mind about, a whole range of you know different topics and you know like their passions and their you know and their beliefs because you know that might inspire the next you know the next person to you know to come down the line too so so mm-hmm. what what would you like in terms um in terms of you know using using your platform um I assume, and I know that's, I obviously can tell that that's something that you're, you know, that you're very, you know, very passionate about. Um, Have people, have people kind of shared with you, like, kind of their, kind of their stories as well? Like, are are you getting a lot of, like, a lot of feedback in terms of that? 
I mean, these are stories that I've been hearing about for years and years anyways. Mm-hmm. So I'm not hearing any real new information at this current time. Mm-hmm. You know, these are conversations that I've had with people in locker rooms and on the road and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, no, not really. I mean, fans have been sending DMs and tweets that have been really encouraging and inspiring. And I'm grateful for that. But um, I... Uh, you know, I I don't think of myself as somebody's role model or inspiration or hero. You know, I'm just doing my thing, and I'm just doing what I was raised to do and what's right. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but if somebody comes that inspiring, I'm not gonna like take that away from them. But for me, that's not kind of why I'm doing it. Um, you know, there are so many stories that have been said about terribly racist and homophobic and sexist and abusive things that have happened in my industry and just in life as well. And, you know, I had the opportunity with the platform and a following and also not feeling repercussions because I work for companies like Primetime, like Fight Club Pro Wrestling, like Pro Wrestling Magic, that have a zero tolerance for that kind of stuff anyways. So... I'm not, you know, scared about working for someone who is keeping the culture of these kind of negative behaviors going, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and I'm not a slave, for lack of a better term, to, to the hope and the prayer and the dream of working for a major wrestling federation. You know, if you're going to hire me, you're going to hire me for me. Not because I present some agreeable package that is not threatening to your conservative views. I can give two shits about that. Um, so for me, it's like, I don't have repercussions. I'm not scared. And, you know, also, if that means that I'm not on the list of being, you know, invited to wrestle here or wrestle there, then so be it. I really don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, because the revolution that we're going through right now is so much more important to me anyways. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Um, I know there's been a lot of people that, you know, that I kind of shared, shared your same attitude. And it's like, you know, especially with kind of how, especially with WWE, like kind of how that, you know, the stories coming out of there, it's like, you know, why, why would somebody want, even though people aspire, aspire to be there as a kid, it's like, well, what's the, what's the point? It's like, I'd rather you know do it for the love and for the passion and then instead of doing it just for the just for the money you know because if i if you have to sell you know if you have to sell yourself out and you know be something that you're not just to get some airtime then at the end is it really is it really worth it you know a hundred percent so now um now we're gonna uh, wrap things up here in a couple minutes, but um, I I usually like to kind of leave the last little bit just um, for you to kind of just promote the hell out of yourself. So like any like where people can follow you, where people if you have merch, where people can buy your merch, um, anything anything that you want to bring up that you want people to to know about. Um, okay, yeah, so on social media, uh, it is at the Billy Dixon. Also, that is my cash app and my Venmo. If you're feeling frisky to send me some money, um, starving artists right now, um, 
Uh, I don't have any bookings right now, and I will not have bookings for the foreseeable future because we're in the pandemic. Um, I have a show coming out next year, hopefully, if the pandemic you know eases up. Called Paris is bumping the first ever million deathmatch professional wrestling Kiki Ball combination. Um, uh, and that's kind of it. Yeah, that's kind of it. And I have a what a maneuver. Um, merchandise store that should be coming out within the next month or so okay perfect perfect yeah yeah those guys are what a what a maneuver is amazing like i'm i'm actually uh working hashtag spoiler alert uh working hopefully soon to get my merch store up through them so um they have been nothing but professional guys super super awesome so um but I'm sure once once you got that up, then you know, I'm sure you'll probably post about it on Twitter, and you know I'm sure I will will retweet it as well. So, <laughs> um, but Billy, thank you so much for taking the time out to talk with me today. This was amazing, um, and you know I definitely look forward to hopefully seeing you back in the ring soon. Not too soon, but soon. Um, and yeah, thank you. Thank you so, so, so very much, man. I definitely appreciate it. No, thank you so much for providing me with your platform. I really appreciate it. And you have a great day. Yeah, you too, Billy. And um, yeah, stay safe out there, man. Likewise. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Right. So there we have it. That was our interview with Billy Dixon. As he said before make sure you follow him on social media because i dare i guarantee you'll get a lot out of it uh i know i do uh he's also on instagram so make sure you follow him on there as well um i'll try to leave links in the podcast description but i will put it all on my twitter as well so if you're not following me on twitter you should i mean i don't know why you wouldn't I'm pretty funny on there and I post a lot of good content on there too. So, <laughs> so as always, that is at DJ Starion. Um, obviously my website is also on there too. Uh, DJ Hopefully I will be doing a lot more of these, um, as I'm getting used to zoom and other platforms, then I will make sure that, I bring you guys as much quality content as possible. Hopefully, the next time you hear me on this podcast, I will have some very exciting news. That might actually be one of like those little mini ones. So, um, if you want to know, go back all the way to the beginning of this podcast. To the first maybe 10 seconds of it. That'll give you a little bit of a clue. But... Until then, y'all stay safe. Have fun out there. Not too much fun. Just make sure you protect yourselves because I want everybody to be be vigilant and be be here in like a year, two years, five years. I want you to be here. I want you to be happy. That's all that matters. You know, being being able to celebrate life. That's that's what it's all about at the end of the day so you guys have yourselves a wonderful day a wonderful week year whenever 
And as always, like I said before, we'll catch you on the flip side. Stay safe out there, my friends. Peace.